Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. And I feel like we should start with a previously on Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. Oh, and we, then, we need the and, Star Trek theme. And then flash back to the episode that we recorded of this podcast more than 50 years ago. I I don't know that that's going to work here. <laughs> I, I, I don't know that that's a, that's a grand idea. Well, you know, it would be our original unaired pilot. Of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly, and uh, you know we never we never aired it, but we'll, we're going to show the, uh, the the episodes of it. You know, well, and to be fair, Aaron was played by a different actor. That's true. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, before we get into this week's new episode of Star Trek Discovery, if memory serves, I uh, want to take a brief moment to talk about the Orville. Uh, if you listen to last podcast, you know we don't have a lot to talk about if we talk about the Orville. Um, <laughs> Well, it was announced uh, this weekend, uh, actually, as of the time of this recording yesterday, that Dark Horse Comics would be producing comics based on the Orville, written by executive producer and writer David A. Goodman, who worked on uh, Futurama and Star Trek Enterprise, artist David Cabeza, and it's going to be considered Orville Season 1.5. It's going to be a series of um, a miniseries of two two two-issue episodes set between the end of the first season and the beginning of the second. Um, the series begins in the Orville number one, New Beginnings, part one of two. And we can only hope that this series explains Bordas's pornographic addiction. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, or, hopefully. Or, you know, his overwhelming need to pee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the new Bord- series goes Bord- on sale. Oh, go ahead. Bordas has got to make. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it goes on sale, looks like July 17th. Uh, lots of Orville stuff coming out. New merchandise, including um, the Hero Clicks tabletop miniature game, is going to introduce the Orville into it. So there's yeah. a lot of stuff going on. I mean, apparently it's doing pretty well, or at least I, merchandising well. I really expected when I saw that the uh, comic was coming out that, you know, in the tradition that, that Orville has adopted con- uh, regarding the series, you know, where they, they get a bunch of old Star Trek talent. And, you know, bring them on board. I really expected to see, you know, some Star Trek comic book writers, you know, like Peter David or Michael Jan Friedman, you know, some of those guys, you know, some of the traditional guys uh, for the Star Trek comics. So, well, I wouldn't be upset at that idea, but nor would I, nor would I, you know, we'll see how this uh, I'm sure this is just a a sampler miniseries to see how it goes. But, you know, it's it's a cool idea. You know, I'm glad the Orville is branching out. Uh, we have in, certainly enjoyed the last couple of episodes quite a bit, and we talked about those on on previous episodes of this very podcast. But enough of the Orville. That's right. Screw that show. That's right. Because, because previously on Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so if memory serves, it was this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery and, and started with a flat. Well, I shouldn't say with a previously on Star Trek. Yeah, um, like that, original I, series, old school Star Trek. <laughs> original episode, old school Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, pretty uh-huh. hot. I mean, like. The I gotta tell you, I, I I the way I usually watch Discovery on my first viewing is I am on the porch, it's nighttime, I've got my iPad, I'm streaming it on my iPad, and I'm having a cigar and drinking scotch. That's typically the way that's my, my, my ritual for watching Discovery. And uh it's also my ritual for doing just about everything else. But <laughs> the the uh, previously on Star Trek rolled up, and then it started flashing scenes from the cage, and I squealed, Paul. I was I was <laughs> so excited. I mean, I could not have been happier to see that. Well, and you know the the, the flashback or whatever the previously on recap was so well done. It made me believe that Anton Mount actually looks like Jeffrey Hunter. Well, I tell you what, I, I went back. I watched uh, this episode of Discovery twice, mm-hmm. and between my first and second viewing, I went back and rewatched The Cage. And while Jeffrey Hunter, who played Captain Christopher Pike in The Cage back in 1964-1965, uh, doesn't look a thing like Anson Mount, they do have some similarities in the eyes and expressions. There is a, a seriousness that I think Anson Mount has captured that very much emulates that of Jeffrey Hunter. Yeah, I could see that. You know, we I didn't realize it until they showed the flashback and then like the 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 well, the recap, I should yeah. say. The recap ends on a close up of Jeffrey Hunter and then like instantly flashes to Anson Mount or mm-hmm. Anton Mount. Anton? Yeah. Anton Mount. Anson. 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 Like Anson, Anson Williams Mount. like Potsy. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, to Anson Mount and like I was like, "Whoa, whoa." They actually do kind of look alike. And, yeah. you know, it is it is mostly mannerisms, eyes, you know, expressions, things like that. They're not yeah. like spitting images, but they do a good job with with making you feel like, oh, OK, wow. Like, yeah. you, you know, it didn't hit me until that moment. And it's not like Anson Mount is aping Jeffrey Hunter. I just think that he's captured the tone of that performance. And I think he's done it without it being a two dimensional performance, because we have gotten to see the humorous side and the lighter side of uh, Captain Pike and Anson Mount's performance that you really didn't get much of an opportunity to see in, in the cage because we we've only got one episode with Jeffrey Hunter, right? I was about to say we've only he's only got one episode to go off of because even the older uh, Captain Pike was played by a different actor. Now you know, Paul, you are uh, you are quite a bit younger than me, and I don't know if you recall or not, but the cage as an episode was not originally aired with Star Trek. In fact, it wasn't even aired when Star Trek was big in syndication in the 70s and 80s. Mm. Um, It did not exist in its complete form uh, until about 1988, when the cage, you know, when uh, Roddenberry produced the cage as his original pilot for Star Trek, NBC did not like it enough 
to buy the show based on that episode. But what they did do, which was unheard of at the time, is say, hey, we're going to give you some more money. Go make another pilot. We think that the cage is too cerebral. We want to see something that's a little bit more action-adventure hour. And so they went and they made Where No Man's Gone Before, which was the the first aired pilot of, uh, of, of Star Trek. It wasn't the first episode aired, but it was the, the, the second pilot uh, for Star Trek. But, you know, this episode was so expensive to produce, NBC wanted to recover that, that loss. And so they had uh, Roddenberry work it into the regular season. So it became the two-part menagerie episode where, you know, we meet Captain Christopher Pike and he's been horribly injured. Uh, you know, he's, he's practically a quadriplegic. Um, and, you know, Spock kidnaps him and takes him to Talos Four in that episode. Um, it wasn't until 1988 that Roddenberry had recaptured some of the missing footage that wasn't included essentially in the clip show that they were able to put an entire episode around. And that was a huge deal back in 88 to release that episode of the cage. I don't know. I, I, I think that you're probably too young to have remembered that. I, I, no, I do remember when do the cage really? was a big deal in the late eighties. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you know, I mean, my family was a big star Trek family. Um, so I, yeah, I certainly do remember the cage and, and when it was aired and the big deal about around the original pilot and you know, Oh, the captain before, yeah. um, Kirk and all that. And so, yeah, certainly. Um, and, and I love how much if memory serves integrated <laughs> that, uh, you know, that episode into, into every aspect of this show. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, this was this was a Star Trek fans, an original series Star Trek fans wet dream, right? I mean, this thing was so in the groove. Uh, I just, I, I was giggling throughout this episode. I loved this episode. I, I, I won't be shy about it. I was crazy about this episode. I enjoyed the second viewing every bit as much as I enjoyed the first. Now, I will say, because I'm always the naysayer, I felt like the pacing was a little slow in this episode. Your pacing's a little slow. <laughs> well, there. there. I mean, that's, that's true. Um, but I felt like the pacing was a little slow in this episode. But regardless of that, I did feel like... Um, you know the the callbacks to that original series and and the references and everything that that made up for it. I I really did enjoy the episode. I enjoyed that we have finally gotten some dialogue out of Spock. You know <laughs> yeah. he's been kind of asleep for a couple of episodes, uh, so I I enjoyed when he woke up and and contributed something useful. Um, you know I I really did appreciate. Um, just the you know the the simultaneous storylines that they had going on. So yeah. kind of you know they've been doing this for a couple of episodes that there's this this A thread and then there's this B thread and and there's kind of the C thread with right. um you know the doctor and his husband and what they're going through. Uh but you know the B thread is kind of um Captain Pike versus Section 31. Right. Uh, which you know, I, I I liked that aspect of the show, and then the A thread is the Michael Burnham and Spock, um, you know, trying to to rejuvenate you know his memory and fix his brain after seeing the red the red angel. Yeah, and you know, uh, Michael Burnham absconds with Spock, and you know, uh, she at the end of last episode translated his uh, his dyslexia into the coordinates of Talos Four. 
one of the things I was happy to see in this episode that we didn't get in the last episode, and if I recall correctly, I complained about it in our previous recording, was that the computer never warns Michael Burnham that Talos 4 is a forbidden system. And it's like they listen to us because it is mentioned (laughs) immediately at the start of this episode. Like straight up, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you can't go here. Um, You can go almost anywhere else, but you can't go here. Um, so, you know, yes, the, the computer, you know, warns her, but it warns her as they're approaching, as opposed to warning her, you know, when she set course, I just think that that's a, that's a design flaw in the system and they really need to work on that. Cause what if you were running out of gas, you know, you know, the tank's almost empty, yeah. you got nowhere else to go. You got to go to Talos 4. Yeah. They can't, like, I mean, there's gotta be a way to override it. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, we, you know, through, through an illusion protecting the planet, uh, you know, testing them as Michael Burnham suggests. You know, she lands. We meet Vina again. Vina, a character from the Cage. You know, uh, who is the only human inhabitant of uh, Talos Four. I thought th- this actress who played Vina is uh, an actress I'm familiar with from other work, such as The Good Wife. Uh, she played a supporting character on that show for a number of episodes. I like her a great deal. Her name is uh, Melissa George. I just she she's got a, a really unique uh, 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 take on characters, and and I just there, there's something about her that I really like. Uh, and I thought she was really well cast as Vina. Again, looking nothing like the original actress, but really capturing that tone. And I mean, I bought in immediately when we see her interact with Anson Mount's Pike. I immediately felt the the, the heat between the two of them, the romance, the deep feelings. Uh, I, I thought they had excellent chemistry on the screen. I agree. Yeah, I mean, it was... It, it really did call back to that original episode. You know, yeah. the, the, the two actors, even though they share very little screen time together, they, mm-hmm. there's a genuine affection there that works well. Yeah, I just, I, I, it was deep with the feels, and uh, I know I'm, I'm coming at it from a real nostalgic point of view, but uh, I, I just thought the, the, the two actors did an amazing job uh, really, you know, bringing that forward. I, I thought it was great. You know, and it, it, you get this sense that Pike has carried that with him. Cause you know, was, that was three years ago in his time, you know, the, the uh, more than three years ago, it's four years ago because uh, the first episode of Star Trek discovery is three years following the cage. According to what I have read, I did a little research before this episode. Um, and I mean, so, you know, he's, he has moved on, had other missions and he was immediately back in that moment when he saw her. You know, he, you know, he was frightened by by her appearance because she appears as an illusion in his uh, in his ready room. But I mean, he is almost immediately back to that those those tender feelings that he had for from back in the cage. Uh, I, I thought that that was excellently done. One of the things that I I really felt like they shorthanded uh, to ill effect in this episode is. On Talos, we learn that Spock, you know, who's been goofy in the head since we you know, first laid eyes on him, um, he is experiencing time as a fluid element versus linear. And his uh, Vulcan mind can't cope with it. And, and without treatment, he will lose his mind, the Talosians say, uh, permanently. They, they underline permanently. Yeah, he's already lost his mind, but he will lose it permanently. Um, but they can help him. 
in exchange, they want uh, Michael Burnham's memory because, you know, they, they, they deal in experiences, right? Uh, you know, they're, they're like millennials, Paul. They, they don't want things. They want experiences. <laughs> Much like. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, so they, they, the experience of, of Michael Burnham's they want is the exchange between her and Spock when, you know, she broke his heart, right? Back when they were kids. So, you know, reluctantly, Michael Burnham agrees to that. We share that. I'll come back to that in just a moment. But what we never see is them fixing Spock. It's just all of a sudden Spock's fine. I did catch that. Like, he says, now do you see? Like, yeah. uh, oh, I guess he's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, while she's seeing what Spock saw, they, they fix him, basically, off, off camera. Considering how big of a deal it was, it just kind of happened off camera. Yeah, and I just really wanted to see that moment. I wanted to see them sorting through and kind of realigning his brain. Mm-hmm. I really kind of thought that we would get some sort of montage of, you know, here are all these disparate memories that he's got. Because, you know, what screwed him up is that he mind-melded with the Red Angel, right? Yeah. And, you know, the the having, you know, changed that his concept of time and the way he experiences time really screwed him over. I j- just would have thought, given the amount of drama that's been built around this, that we would have experienced that. You know, and I suspect that they shot that and they just cut it for time. I Possibly. Suspect, it I, certainly felt like there was stuff missing. Yeah, I, I feel like that probably was captured and just didn't make it into the show. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was a mistake. I agree. Because I, 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 it just felt like, wow, <laughs> that we, we have been running from Section 31 all this time and he's better now. You know, I, and I, I, I gather, I, you know, I get that the Telosians were going to fix him. I just felt like we would see that. You know, as opposed to just, oh, well, clearly you're verbal now, so we're good to go. Yeah, you found your your smile, Spock. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you do reference my biggest disappointment of the episode. Oh, dear. And I know I'm jumping ahead, Uh but it is when it is revealed uh, what Michael Burnham did to hurt Spock so badly. Yeah. And uh, basically, you know, their kids, he calls her, she calls him a half breed when she's running away. A weird, and, uh, a weird half breed, yeah, and 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 that's it. And it's like, wow, that that hardly seems like enough to hold a grudge for fifteen, twenty years. But um, when you're that, both kids, yeah, when, when you're both kids, I mean, that's what that. I mean, I, I feel the same way. Um, I mean, she 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 is ugly about it, and she knows that it's going to cut. I don't love you, can't you see? I don't want some little half weird half breed freak hanging around me. I believe that was the the, the, the uh, something just like that. Of yeah. what she was saying, and yeah, that's hateful and hurtful. Um, but you know, we all do horrible things when we're yeah, kids, exactly. I mean? And yeah. on top of that, you know, she she even expresses, uh, you know, when she's when she's talking to uh, Spock's mom. Mm-hmm. What, what's give me the name? Oh, Amanda. Sorry, Amanda. Yeah, when she's talking to Amanda, uh, you know, oh, I heard Spock. Like, I, I'm too ashamed to even share. It's like, okay, well, 20 years ago, I called my brother a weird half breed. Well, I do feel like half breed in relation to Spock is hurtful. Yes, is is, is like using the N word, right? I mean, I, I felt like it was you know a racially charged term. You know, yeah, I, I could I certainly think, feel that way. And yeah, I, I, and, I, and so I think that that it's 
it is more stinging. Uh, it is intended to be more stinging than perhaps our ears hear it. Um, but that's what I gathered from it. But yes, I felt like it should have been an uglier scene. Yeah, perhaps she kicked his ass or something. Like, I guess I just, you know, you build it up in your head to be something bigger than it actually yeah. is. Well, and I also feel like Spock is particularly unforgiving in this regard, you know. And, you know, he's still holding on to to some of that pain, um, you know, even though he seems like he's in a much better place on the other side of this episode. You know, because like I said, he found his smile. Um, it just... It felt like there should have been more there in that. In yeah. That, in, you know, because I, I get it. But, you know, she goes back and lives with them after that. You know, it's not like, you know, she tries to run away and she tries to break uh, uh, Spock's heart so that he won't follow her. But then, you know, Sarek finds her and brings her home. That must have been some awkward times after that. Very quiet Thanksgiving dinners there on uh, Vulcan. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. So, you know, we find out from Spock's memories now that we can now that we can talk to Spock and, you know, look at his memories uh directly. We find out that the Red Angel tells him or shows him a possible future where more of those, you know, uh alien probes come flying into the Alpha Quadrant and destroy every sentient race in the galaxy. For what reason, we don't know, right? Um, we just know that uh, this is a possible future and that the actions that Michael Burnham and Mr. Spock uh, take could cause that future to come come about or cause that future to uh, be averted. Um, we also learn a little bit more about the Red Angel, that the Red Angel is uh, human uh, from some possible future. Yeah. I suspect that the Red Angel is someone we know. Uh, I do too. There, there, there wouldn't be a mystery around it. Yeah, there it wouldn't was. be a mask involved, right? Yeah. Um, I suspect it's one of two people. It is either future Michael Burnham, you know, come back to to save them all and working through her brother, right? You know, that's the connection. Why, why talk to Spock? Because she knows that Spock has a brilliant analytical mind, as she has said uh, earlier in the show. You know, working through Spock to avert this this possible future, or and this is the one I'm I'm more inclined to believe it's Tilly from the future. Tilly, uh-huh. okay. What makes you think it could be Tilly? Well, I just because Tilly is you know has got an engineering background. You know, mm-hmm. I think that you know it's a possible future where you know uh, I, I don't know. I just I, I, it's somebody we know, and I think it's I think it's going to be you know heartbeat of the show kind of characters. Well, I'm going to throw out two alternative options. Okay, hit me, Paul. It's either going to—I feel like it's either going to be future Spock, or it's going to be Culber. Like it seems like they're setting something up with Culber. Mm, could be. Could be. Well, we'll like, see. You know, yeah, we'll see. Because, but sp- go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, go ahead. I was just going to say. Speaking of Culber, yes, um, we have uh, some some so a big Culber uh, episode here where. Culber's not settling in well, and you know we've seen we've seen evidence of that in previous episodes where he just doesn't feel right in his skin. You know he he's got the memories of how he used to feel, but he's he's not connected to them. You know it's like he he's read the book about his life, but he hasn't experienced that life. Yeah, and you know so 
Stamets makes a romantic dinner for them in their quarters and Culber loses his shit because, hey, you never used to make dinner for me in, in our quarters. What the fuck? Hey, you know, I, I, you used to work on, at nights on weekends. Why are you spending all this time with me? You know, you know, he's suspicious. He's angry. Doesn't know why he's angry. But he does know that he doesn't like him some Ash Tyler. And yes. so he uh, he goes stomping into the crew mess and uh, knocks uh, uh, Tyler's lunch right off his table and flips the table over, beats him with a chair. Uh, I thought it was a great scene of the two of them, you know, uh, beating on each other and, you know, a- Ash Tyler trying not to hit him, right? Uh, just trying to, you know, subdue him. And uh, Saru making the choice not to intervene, that the two of these guys got to work this out. Yeah, um, I was I like, was a, Saru, what are you doing? And there was a really nice bit at the end of that where, where you know, Ash Tyler's got his arms around Culber and he's just not letting him go. And, you know, Culber says, I don't even know who I am anymore. And or something like that. And Ash yeah. Tyler's like, who do you think you're talking to? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And you're like, these two guys are going to be buddies. <laughs> Before you know it, there's going to be an Ash Tyler Culber spinoff show. They're going to be buddy cops going across the galaxy solving crime. Trying to discover themselves. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Discovery, right? <laughs> yeah, they're going to call it Discoveries. Yeah. <laughs> discoveries. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be Tyler and Culber and Tyler discoveries. It's gonna be a thing. Just yeah. you wait. Yeah, just you yeah. wait. No, that was a that was a good moment. As was the follow up moment with uh, Captain Pike uh, confronting what? Saru, saying, "Hey, uh, you you, you should have stopped that. You've been yeah. kind of a dick." Yeah. S- since you lost your little ganglia. Yeah. Since you lost your head testicles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, 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 you've been kind of, you know, making some uh, interesting decisions, by the way, let's just go ahead and uh, stick with the uniform code of conduct from now on, you know? <laughs> yeah. That was a, That was a good moment. Cause I was yeah. like, hey, yeah, Captain Pike, we, we said this, I think last week or the week before that Captain Pike needs to lay some ground rules. Right. And it sounds like he did in this episode. It's it's it is like they are listening to this podcast. Are you listening to this podcast, Anson Mount? Are you? <laughs> well, I got to tell you the moment that followed that Paul broke my heart. Just broke my heart when Culber breaks up with Stamets, you know? Yeah. Stamets is Stamets is still in the moment. You know, that he was still in the moment from when uh, Culber died. He, you know, he loved him. Culber's the love of his life, and Culber doesn't feel that. You know, he he came back from the dead, n- remembering those things, but not having the emotional connection to them. And he's just like, I need to get on with my life, and you need to get on with yours. And breaks up with him. And I'm just that has got to be so heartbreaking. I mean, it's like it's like nursing somebody through a a uh, a uh, life-threatening illness and they come out of the illness and then they don't want anything to do with you. I mean, that, that was just heartbreaking. And, you know, uh, forget the actor's name, Paul, that plays Stamets, uh, Anthony Rapp. Uh, yes. Did a, I mean, you, it looked like he'd gotten punched in the nose, mm-hmm. you know, the way he, I mean, he, I was just like, Oh my God. I mean, I, I, it was a beautiful performance and you know, I, I really appreciated that they gave that some moment, some time to breathe. And maybe that's why we didn't get, you know, fixing Spock is that they gave that moment some time to breathe. It was an, uh, a longer episode than normal, yeah. certainly yeah. longer than last week's, that 39 minutes. I think this one was around 52. Yeah. And we also got a little bit of Section 31 in there. 
Sure did. Um, you and Giorgio continuing to fuck over her boss. Yeah. You do not want Giorgio working for you. She's no, got to be the – you know, when you're doing the annual evaluation for Giorgio, I'm thinking you've got you to give her marks down for not being a team player. Yeah. Because, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow, she screws that guy over left and right. Like literally at every chance she can yeah. get. <laughs> and uh, it seems like that, you know, that Section 31 thing is going to come to a head in next week's episode. Yeah, it, it seems pretty – the, the, the preview for next week, because, you know, Discovery, as you might guess, uh, you know, they're, they're on the run and at, at opposite ends from Section 31 – because you know, Section Thirty One wants that Spock. Yeah, they want to. They, you know, they have been looking for their cheese almost as long as Paul and I have, and uh, they they did not get to get to uh, take Spock and you know do their uh, Section Thirty One mind sifter business on him. No, no, Discovery got away with him, and they are on the run from Section Thirty One. So next week's episode, we saw the you know the the you know next week on Star Trek Discovery, we get what looks like them storming the castle, right? <laughs> you know, discovery, you know, going through the minefield that protects yeah. the section 31 base. That looks pretty hot, Paul. Yeah. Next week's episode is called project Daedalus. And uh, I am excited to see what happens. You know, it, it is interesting to see, you know, it, it, they're building up to this reveal of the red angel. Um, in fact, the episode on March 21st, is called the Red Angel, and I believe, if I remember correctly, this that one is directed by Hanel uh, Culpepper, who is directing yep. that Picard pilot. You know, speaking of directors, uh, this week's director was T.J. Scott, uh, which you know sounds like it, you know he could be family to T.J. Hooker. <laughs> it's uh, cousin. <laughs> but uh, he has got a uh, big list of genre credits. Number one, he's, he's directed a previous episode of Star Trek Discovery. He directed the season one episode, The Wolf Inside. Oh, But okay. he's also directed it to uh, germane to your interests, Paul. He has directed the 13th episode of Doom Patrol. Oh, okay. Yeah. Something to look forward to. Uh, he has directed an episode of Taken. He's directed, you know, uh, uh, in relation to my interests, uh, six episodes of Longmire. He's directed seven episodes of Gotham. I mean, lots of genre credits. And the one thing that I was really interested in his genre credits was a show I don't recall knowing about. Uh, a show called Damien about... Yes, uh, I remember that. I think it was on uh, AMC or, or something &E, like I think. that. A&E, yeah. Yeah. And it was it was only on for one season, but I was like, how did I not know this? How yeah. did I not know that there was a Damien Thorne series? You know, a series about the Antichrist. Yeah. This is something right up my alley. Yeah. Why why didn't I know about this? <laughs> and I hear it was actually pretty good. It just didn't last. Yeah, I got to figure out where that show lives. You know, yeah. if it if it's on a streaming platform somewhere. So, you know, uh, doing doing these this homework always leads to other podcasts because pretty soon it'll be Damien with Aaron Pauly. <laughs> <laughs> well, in relation to all of our interests, next week's project Daedalus is directed by Jonathan Frakes. Oh, oh, you know, they just keep ladling the ice cream on. Yeah. You know, we've got this delicious piece of pie and they just keep putting ice cream on it. I'm I'm really, Paul, this is good stuff. Yeah. Very much looking forward to it and very much looking forward to your feedback about this week's episode of Star Trek my, Discovery. My feedback? I just gave you my feedback. Oh, no. Were you not, not yours. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to everyone else. Oh, those people. Yeah, those people. <laughs> um, so there's actually a couple ways you can get in touch with us. You can hit us up on uh, Twitter 
at Ideology Madness. You can hit us up on Instagram, IOM Geek, Facebook, IOM Geek, or you can give us a call on the IOM Geek hotline. 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. Well, and you should let them know how else they can help us get the word out on this podcast. Oh, my God. You can give us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps uh, people find us if you're talking about us. So give us that five-star review. Retweet us on Twitter. uh, Talk about us on Instagram. Share us in your stories. Do whatever you can. Tattoo Star Trek with Aaron and Polly on your chest. Let the world know your love for STWAP. Write it on the bathroom wall. I think that's a good a good move. Yeah. For, For a good, good time, time, download. <laughs> download. <laughs> Go to iomgeek.com. Do it. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Next week. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of iomgeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by... Triskelion Trays, no troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade. All decks, all stations. This is the captain speaking. All decks, I must have your full attention. It is vital, absolutely vital, that you center your thoughts on your duty or on the welfare of Star Trek with Erina and Pauly. Think of giving some of your strength. Now, this is an order. You must try to do this. Captain Picard's right, y'all. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly needs your help. We need you to go out to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star review. Let the Alpha Quadrant know how much you enjoy this podcast. And now, attempt to concentrate completely on your duty of the moment. All decks, all stations, battle stations, 